Hello, welcome back to the IFA podcast series. Um, and today we want to talk about digital solutions for smallholder farmers. Uh, there is a, a lot of interest in this because we all believe that this is perhaps one of the few options that we have in terms of reaching not just a few hundred farmers or thousands of farmers, but millions of farmers with uh, better advice on how to use uh, fertilizers and other sources of nutrients or other agronomic advice uh, or even financial transactions that they have to make in terms of buying inputs or selling their produce. You know? So many things can be done through digital platforms. And there is, of course, also many companies, many startups, many not-for-profit organizations that are trying to develop and to deliver these types of solutions already in different parts of the world, including also in, in Africa. And Sub-Saharan Africa is the continent or the region that we want to focus on today in our podcast. So I'm very pleased to have with us uh, two people who I think uh, are working on the ground on these solutions on trying and pioneering many ways uh, some of these. The, first of all, I wish to welcome Gabriel Eze, who is the co-founder and uh, chief financial officer of R Rural Farmers Hub uh, in Nigeria. And he'll tell you later more what this is all about. And then we have with us Jamie Collinson, who is the CTO, Chief Technical Officer of um, Innovative Solutions for Decision Agriculture, or ISDA, a not-for-profit startup company that works in Africa, but it's based in the UK. So let's get uh, right into this. Uh, and so I want to ask uh, Gabriel first, uh, what, what, what's your company about, Rural Farmers Hub? Uh, so from what I know, it's a private e-extension service provider in Nigeria, but tell us a bit more about it. Why, why did you create it? What problems are you trying to solve? What, what's your basic solution and, and how you operate in the field on that? Well, thank you very much, uh, Akim and uh, Ifa, for, for having us or having me on the podcast. I, I would say that the reason why we started this company was uh, as a result of a decade or three decades long uh, challenge that are facing uh, farmers in Nigeria. So I come from a farming background and my academics and my life was literally raised from proceeds from agriculture. And as I get older and older, I realize that the same source of income is, is, is declining. I find farmers, my father and other people in our community who are struggling to make ends meet. And this bothers me as, you know, as a scientist from the academic background and also as a person. So we uh, kind of, uh, me and my friend, we decided to look into the data to see what could be the cause of this problem. We identified so many things, but uh, the primary cause we found was the widespread use of legacy farming practice uh, that is not backed by data. We also found that uh, setting soil improvements uh, lacking among farmers is preventing them from getting the optimal benefits from fertilizer and seeds. And this for us was a challenge that we figured to solve and uh, we are solving. So Rural Farmers Hub basically, like you said, is uh, an e-extension platform. To some extent, I would say to a large extent, we're a software company. Uh, we develop and distribute certain software application that helps with uh, things like fertilizer recommendation, or insight on soil properties, things that the farmer can do with the resources that they have in order to improve the efficacy of, of their farming of their farming system. 
So basically, we uh, work with farmers, smallholder farmers, through a network of extension agents across Nigeria. We are very present in intense state in northern Nigeria, and of course, a few other markets in Africa. And we support these farmers with advisory, with linkages, especially fertilizer and seeds. So we, I mean, there's things that are layered on top of the advisory that we provide, because we have also seen from our data that giving imputes to farmers without the necessary, uh, you know, taking care of the preconditions sometimes lead to bad results. So that's what we do. Jamie, you work for ISDA, which is a not-for-profit company or startup, uh, which is mostly funded by an international donor, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation at this stage. So tell us more about ISDA or ISDA. What is this, its main vision and strategy? Thanks, Akim. Uh, well, many of the things um, Gabriel said resonate strongly. I mean, we... <laughs> agree on the, uh, the, the on the view entirely, I would say. Uh, I guess we come from a, a, the different end. We come out of many decades of investment in research into the region um, and what can be done to improve it. And I think um, is there is a bit of an experiment and a new way of trying to deploy that research into a commercial setting to really try and get it to scale to millions of farmers, as, as you mentioned earlier. So we, like, like Gabriel, I think share the same vision that technology can help the smallholder, that we can bring individualized advice to each smallholder, but we need the enabling factors to be there. So we basically think the science and technology is there, and there are many years of research output which can be deployed. And the problem is how do you deploy that to the smallholder? In general, in large farms, we see increasing precision in technology, things like IoT sensors, drones, satellite monitoring. These are currently out of reach for smallholder farmers. But, I mean, our view is that in Africa, just as mobile phones leapfrogged landlines, these digital services will roll out very rapidly, uh, that th these things will be leapfrogged. So we think the leading edge is really in bringing these low-cost services to smallholders. And our strategy is basically to work uh, in a commercial setting with existing networks. So we don't try and build relationships directly with smallholders. So we look for where there are existing um, relationships. So we're initially focused on output aggregators. So they have a network with, uh, of smallholders who they have this relationship with. They're often already, and ideally for us, providing bundled services such as credit and input. These are the things Gabriel mentioned. These are the precursors that need to be in place. Otherwise, uh, the, the smallholders can't succeed. And we offer our digital service, we call it virtual agronomist, as a tool for these aggregators to deploy to their field agents. And our aim really is that those field agents can then quickly be trained to use this and provide advice at a similar level to local uh, agronomists. So the aggregators can then offer expert advice at a much larger scale. And we think there are really big commercial win-wins here. Farmers earn more and aggregators get more volume and improve loyalty from those farmers. So that, that's our vision is to really... Good. We'll come back to some of it in more detail. In the Rural Farmers app, your core product is called Capture. What exactly is it? What does it do? How does it work? Can you... Describe it to us in, in brief terms in a more concrete manner. Yeah, Capture really um, 
I mean, we were having a conversation uh, in 2018, and as we were brainstorming, these two words kept reoccurring, capture and monitor, to capture the data and monitor the progress. Uh, so um, at the point where we're looking to name the product, it was natural to just say, call it Capture. So Capture really, it's a, it's a mobile app, uh, also available on the web, uh, because I think well, we have seen that certain uh, low-end uh, uh, phones may not be able to you know, download apps from uh, Android. So we have it as both web and mobile app. And basically, it's a dashboard that gives the farmer insights, pre-planting, uh, in-season, up until the harvest. So for example, uh, once a farmer profiles around this time in Nigeria for, let's say, wet season, which will begin sometime next month in southern part and maybe in June in, in the northern part. We'll provide insights like you know the soil pH level. These are all remotely sensed uh, data. Insights on carbon content, organic matter, soil composition, the crops that are suitable for that farm because these things are dynamic, they change annually, sometimes even multiple times in a year. That way the farmer will have information on where the risks exist on the farm and can begin now to you know, mitigate them. Things like pH level can be remedied using liming material, which uh, most times is lime waste in the rice mill and other mills in their village. Things like organic matter can be salvaged by mulching, so they have enough time to do all those mitigants before the planting season sets in. And then they get insights on things like optimal planting dates. So we are tracking things like evapotranspiration vis-a-vis precipitation to know when there will be, you know, the rate at which moisture is lost is less than the rate at which has been added. For us, that's a good determinant for when to actually take planting more seriously. So it's all advice after advice after advice. Every single week you come to the dashboard, you'll probably see a different set of advice. As well, I didn't, I forgot to mention uh, yield-based fertilizer recommendation. So we use a time series data to advise the farmer on how much fertilizer is required in a targeted mapping kind of a arrangement so that the farmer can actually you know, see what they can afford uh, vis-a-vis the yield that they can potentially get from their farm. So that's capture is just a dashboard in summary. So how far have you come with that so far in, in terms of the numbers of farmers that you serve? What, what are your expectations there? And, and what, what's your business model? Who's going to pay for this service in the end? Is it the farmers themselves or somebody else? So, so far we have interacted with about 130, if I'm not mistaken, farmers over the last four years. This is our fourth year of operation. And actively, we've had um, 25,000 at least farmers who have either by themselves or through other sources have paid and used our, our service, a subscription-based uh, model. So basically, our business model is the farmer subscribes either by themselves or through a nonprofit or through the government. Uh, we have seen clients across different uh, demography. So when they subscribe, immediately an extension agent is assigned to I mean, an extension agent who is near their village is assigned to go map the farm and then from there begin to get the services immediately. Uh, we figured also there are other barriers in terms of cost of delivering this advisory through text messages. Smartphone penetration is still very low. So we usually organize farmers into meetings near them. So they meet the extension agents and they can use the 
smartphone of the extension agent to get their weekly advisory, more like consulting a doctor, but this time around for, for crops. Who pays for the service right now? We are struggling to get farmers to pay for this service uh, for two reasons. Uh, one of them is, if you look at the average yield productivity for cereals in Africa in 2020, according to the FAO, it's about, it's less than half of the global average. In other words, with the work we are doing, if we improve, if we double the productivity of most farmers, there will still be less than half of the global average. So there is a, a challenge of purchasing power among these farmers, which kind of led us to, you know, subsidize this thing for the farmers who can afford it. But most importantly, we are, you know, pitching to nonprofits who have some resources to help, you know, pay for these services on behalf of the farmers. We did get some government support in 2020 uh, to pay for about 1,000 farmers. Uh, but so far, I would say it's about 30% B2C uh, purchases. Some farmers were able to pay for this and 70% uh, from a B2B point of view for the reasons that I stated. Mm. Jamie, what what are the core products of uh, ISDA what, that you're working on? How do you approach those? Well, our um, flagship uh, commercial offering is Virtual Agronomist, which actually sounds very similar, Gabriel, to, to Capture in terms of its aims. I think slightly different business model, uh, but, but very similar aims. So that, that's a digital service that provides individual agronomic advice. And it's really a tool for field agents. So we are not currently doing anything direct to direct to farmer, direct to consumer. We primarily target field agents because it needs that intermediary and also because of the digital connectivity issue. So what does it do? It takes a holistic approach. So many of these tools coming from science are really focused on one particular research agenda. What we try to do is harmonize that and really look at the farm as a, as a business. Uh, so we're really focused on the economics of maximizing the, the farmer's income. That's the thing that drives us. So what do you need to do to, to move the dial there? You need to know about the soil and nutrients. You need to know locally what's possible. What are the yields? What's the farm history? What are the forecasts for that farm? What are the economics of the region? Gabriel mentioned this earlier, and it's something that really uh, drives us. What actually can the farmer make from their yield at the end is a critical factor because that's what drives them. And so we take all that into account in an artificial intelligence system, which then makes a recommendation. And we tailor that for each individual uh, location. So what we do is we work with the local aggregators, work with their local agronomists rather, so that we've got it tuned in because you can't take regional averages for this kind of thing. You have to know what's realistic for that particular location, what are the prices, what are the fertilizer products available. So it's really that kind of interplay of all the data about the farm that we try to put into the system. So we tailor it for each network. I mean, we, we say that basically our benchmark is if it recommends the same thing the local agronomist does, that's, that, that's the win. That's what, uh, that's what we want it to do. And that's also how you get the local agronomist to buy into the system. They need to believe in it. Otherwise, the local farmers won't. So we're currently focused on nutrient management, but there are all kinds of decisions that this can be applied to. So what's yield limiting? What's the best crop for the farm? Pest and disease management? Basically anything that a local agronomist would do. But those agronomists 
basically can't be deployed at scale to smallholders. Uh, there simply isn't enough time in the day and there aren't enough local agronomists. So our aim really is make the application that augments the ability of extension agents so that they can do what a local agronomist can, at least part of that, uh, and so that that can be scaled out. So more similarities than differences, I, I guess business model is maybe slightly different. We focus on the the aggregator. So we sell to the aggregator and it's a business to business service that they uh, then deploy to their extension agents. Uh, that, that's that's basically our model with it. I'm, I'm just uh, curious uh, uh, how far you've come in terms of pilot studies on this already and what crops are you working on there? Yeah, we're currently piloting in coffee and maize in Kenya and sunflower in Tanzania. And we're about to start in Bali and sorghum in Uganda and maize in Cote d'Ivoire. And our aim really is to find a commercial aggregator partner to calibrate the system uh, locally for them, uh, demonstrate to them that it can work in reality, and then roll out to their network as a commercial service. So we're part of the way along that. We've done some reasonable scale with other technology. Uh, so last year we were we did soil scans with handheld infrared scanners for about 10,000 farmers uh, for coffee in Kenya. That was successful, but the difficulty there is the extra hardware means it's really only affordable for high-value crops. So coffee, obviously, it makes sense. Even there, there are real operational difficulties in having you know, a small number of expensive devices and how, how, how many of those can you serve to a smallholder in a day you know, becomes a real operational limiting factor. So obviously, something that's purely digital, that's all coming from remote sensing, is, is very attractive. Um, and um, uh, I think uh, just for the sake of completeness for our listeners, uh, you've also invested the, a new digital soil map of Africa that provides soil properties at the 30-meter resolution for the entire continent, which then also feeds into the virtual agronomist application and others, and which I think you're hoping to continue to improve as well in the future, right? Yeah, and thanks for mentioning it. That That's actually what I wanted to say as well in terms of products. So we think of this in terms of we've got these commercial products, but because of our heritage in the, the research world and given our funding, we also think these open products are very important. So the biggest one there we have is uh, our soil map you mentioned. It's called Is the Soil. So it's a 30-meter digital soil map of Africa. That means 30-meter resolution. So 30 meters is each pixel on the map. And that's pretty detailed. That's approximately, uh, you know, uh, a field plot. So it gets down to to quite individualized, obviously at a lower accuracy than if you were to do some soil test in the fields. There's no doubt about that. Remote sensing can't get as accurate as that. But knowing something is better than knowing nothing. And we include the uncertainty of the locations. So that open data we think is really critical because, you know, we'd like to contribute to that, and it's built on the back of all this research for many years. I mean, the, the hard part there with building a digital soil map is not the machine learning and the, the digital stuff. It's easy to get satellite data. The hard part, as I know Akim knows, is the, um, the in-field ground truth data, collecting hundreds of thousands of soil samples is expensive and, uh, and difficult to harmonize. So that's the uh, really the important part there, get it, gathering all that together. Yeah, good. So I think uh, it's very important that we have that sort of fr free information as well. And hopefully many people can not just use it, but also add more or contribute more data to it so that it can be improved. Now let's wrap this up today, maybe with each of you um, giving us a few final reflections you know, in terms of uh, 
when you look back so far, you know, what would you say have been some of the lessons that you've learned, good or bad, surprises or failures? And what are some of your expectations for the future and some of the sort of big bottlenecks that really need to be overcome so that your company, your venture can be a bigger success? Gabriel, how would you summarize this from your point of view so far? Yeah, it's, um, it's a tough question. And I had to learn it the hard way uh, because I guess as we continue to introduce solutions and you know, technologies to, to farmers, things like, I would say in my own experience, things like inflation don't wait for us. Um, it's almost like the farmer's uh, livelihood is going down while you know, things like inflation and other challenges are always going up. And really, it's, it's difficult. Sometimes it makes me question if smallholders can actually farm themselves out of poverty. But I guess there is, uh, there is a way out. And, and data is really how we can you know, get these farmers to optimize what they currently have. I'm particularly interested in, in nutrient management because I think with an acre of a farm, and we have seen this in, in so many pilots with hundreds of farms, it is possible to continually improve the productivity of that land to a point where it becomes profitable. It's not a one-year thing. The other challenge as well, I would say, is, is the fertilizer distribution network. It doesn't get to the people that need them at the right price. There's a lot of middlemen. There's a lot of, I would say, practices that are, I wouldn't even want to mention on this call. So there is a need for all stakeholders to, to look like if we really want to get the farmers out of you know, uh, where they are. Because in the end, uh, agriculture contributes the largest in employment and the people who are the so-called largest employer of labor are not able to secure their livelihood. This is a ticking bomb that, that some, someday, if not addressed, could lead to uh, serious consequences. I would say stakeholders need to you know, work more closely with people who are on the ground, like the nonprofits who are trying to uh, change this. Just as a final thought, I would also want to see uh, more research investment in uh, comparative analysis of uh, digital soil mapping and other uh, digital nutrient sensing technologies and and, uh, and chemical analysis. Uh, two years ago, we conducted one that was funded partly by the government and a nonprofit. There is a close similarity. It's almost like a first aid box a replacement for chemical analysis. I also see that in the case of doing like large scale soil sampling, uh, there are rooms for errors. So it's not like the lab test, it's the holy grail, even though it's our, our baseline for evaluation. But I think more investment needs to go into uh, this direction. Good. Uh, Jamie, your final reflections. Well, Gabriel, we'd love to talk to you about that, by the way. The, uh, we, we'd love to share notes on, on the relative merits of the different uh, soil property data. So let's get in touch about that. You asked about failures. I think we, I don't know if it's our biggest failure, but the advisor on the ground is just critical. I think initially we tried to hold that relationship ourselves when we were serving farmers. And actually, 
the 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 agribusiness on the ground who's already dealing with the, that smallholder they have that relationship and and we don't and so what's important is to to serve through those existing relationships which are trusted and which which already exist they're the ones who really know and and can do this if you try and do this from two arms length it just can't work i don't think it has to be delivered as part of service and about the bottlenecks uh, i mean i agree with what gabriel said i i guess I would always come back to distribution. Uh, the hard part with all of this, and this is a lesson I think we always have to learn in technology, is that the technology is not the hard part. It's getting into, it into people's hands and getting them to use it that's the hard part. So digital connectivity is going to get better over time, I'm sure. But that doesn't mean it can be effectively delivered to, to farmers. And I think the advisor on the ground is going to be of critical importance for, for a long time because they're that intermediary who can interpret to who gets it all going, who's arranging the inputs, who's arranging the credit. So I, I think we, we, you, can't, uh, you can't wish that part away. You have to really lean into it and make sure that last mile human connection works. Otherwise, the, the whole technology chain fails. Sure, thank you. And um, b- b- both of you, uh, we wish you great success with uh, your companies, with your ideas, with your solutions for farmers. And maybe in a few years uh, we can talk again and see whether you've reached a couple of million already or <laughs> and have overcome some of the challenges that we've talked about. So thank you again for sharing your insights. We wish you everything the best for your future. And for all of our listeners, uh, tune in again to our next podcast. Thank you.